Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, game call company that is legend by design. You can check them out at legendarygearusa.com. That's legendarygearusa.com. I am George Lynch. I'm your host and call designer and custom tuner for Legendary Gear. Our motto here is that it's not good enough for George's lanyard, then it's definitely not good enough for yours. Well, folks, this week's uh, podcast, it's August 1st. We are a month away from opening day of early teal season here in Iowa. Some states, I think there's 25 states across the country that are supporting the uh, early teal season. Not every one is September 1st, but usually in the first to second, third week of September, somewhere in the country, teal is opening up. And then, I like I said, I think it's like 25 states. Uh, when I lived in Michigan, we didn't have an early teal season. We had the early goose season. And a lot of times in the years we were guiding, of course, we had a lot of good water spots. But there was times that uh, we would have a batch of blue wingers that just seemed to zoom right down like uh, the blue angels. And that's what I call them. They remind you of the blue angels because the teal, they fly in those tight formations and groups and up and down. And But anyway, uh, we could never shoot them. And we'd always sit there and go, man, I hope they stay here till duck season. But I know the blue wingers going to leave and... Usually by, oh, our duck season comes in, we're usually, we'll have some teal, but normally the green wing teal. The blue wings are usually the first ones to take off and leave, but, um, you know, I heard Michigan has a teal season now, which is great, and uh, they waited till I left, and then they put on a teal season, but the cool thing about teal early teal season is that, uh, you know, you can shoot six teal, Normally in the duck season, you know, you shoot six ducks, but four mallards and then maybe two of some other type of duck. And then you got to, you know, if you shoot a pintail, it can only be one pintail. So your duck identification or making sure that, uh, you know, when you get a group of ducks in that no one overshoots their ducks. And with teal, it's pretty easy. I mean, with mallards, again, like I said, you you can only shoot one hen and the rest drake. So you're always, you got to be careful on that. But the cool thing about teal, you shoot six teal, it's six teal. Male, female, it's a teal. They all taste the same. And then, speaking of tasting, I'd say teal is right up there with me with my top favorite right up there with wood duck. Um, they're pretty good, and, and they're just a blast to hunt. But um, I'm going to get on here. Like I said, it's we did a little bit of uh, talking about uh, teal hunting in the earlier podcast, but being here, we're a month away. We're going to break this down a little bit more for you. Um we're going to break down in different categories and things that we're looking for that uh, I like to do in this last 30 days. And uh, what we're basically going to break it down to is I'm going to break down to it's five or six categories. And when we're talking about with teal hunting, and it's simple. Teal is not a, a very hard uh, thing to figure out. It's pretty simple. Um, you don't need special equipment. It's uh, basics, and it's just be able having the right spots. And in early season, to me, it's finding that right water spot. But we're going to sit here. What I consider number one important with teal hunting is identification. We're going to talk about scouting, decoys, blinds, spinning wing decoys, and calling. And uh, then I have another little category that I call the others, which is little things that's very important in the hunt, but things that I like to include in, in my game bag is um, you know, my, my uh, things that we might need from the blind, things that are going to be, especially in that time of year, 
it's early season so definitely between temperature and everything else you're going to be facing things different than what you would in the late season or later in the season and uh, so getting out we're talking about the identification why do you do i say that's number one well <laughs> there's only one thing opening during teal season teal and it's always when, when you're guiding or anything, when you're when you're expressing to you're explaining, doing seminars, telling, um, teaching people uh, you know, how to hunt, what are things, some of the tricks of the trade. And I think to me, one of the most important things is, like I said, being able to identify teal. You can usually, once you get used to this, and once you start shooting in a few flocks and get a few years under your belt, and uh, or you know, another great practice is going. Going to uh, some of the water spots, some areas that, uh, even if it's a refuge, some areas that might be holding a lot of teal right now, a lot of mallards, maybe a lot of different ducks. Sometimes it's a great idea to go sit with a good high-powered uh, pair of binoculars and sit and watch these refuge. Watch the different groups of birds that come in. Watch and see how they approach when they come in. See their flight formation. Do they hold tight? Are they fast? Do they, do the wings beat fast? And the reason the, the, the binoculars are so important is once you start watching this and, and trying to uh, concentrate and study on this, this, this flight movement of different animals or different birds, you'll pick up when they hit the water. Then the binoculars, you can identify whether it's teal or whatever it was, mallard teal could be divers, whatever. I mean, you'll be able to see that. Once you identify those teal, start watching them and see, watch them as they approach. Watch them as they're in that sky. When you see that bird and you know that they're teal and you're looking up in there, watch that. See that the rhythm that they have, what what type of uh, wing beats. You know, And what I look for in the teal, like I, I mentioned earlier, the kind of cool thing about teal and why I call them the, the um, blue angels is that uh, they do seem to fly in that real tight pattern, and they they'll do a lot of uh, moving up and down as they fly. One thing that is kind of um, discrediting, it's it's actually uh, can throw you off on teal. The teal really they look like they're running you know 80 miles an hour when they're flying by you, but two things that teal are, are small and those wings beat are pretty fast, but the teal don't really move as fast as you think you, they are. And a lot of guys will either overshoot them and shoot in front of them um, because the teal just, they think the teal are moving because of size and the wing beat think the teal are actually, but it's deceiving. And um, so, you know, always try to identify that, watch that, practice that. But the duck identification, you know, you want to be sure and my saying, when in doubt, you just wait, and uh, either you let them, if they fly out, that's good, you know, that's great, and, um, and if they were teal and you didn't get them, you know, that's okay, just try to learn, keep learning, and stuff happens. There's times, even a seasoned hunter like myself, uh, if you have a, a bright sunshine out there that, you know, I've, I've let birds go because... Uh, you just you weren't for sure, and then when they hit that different angle and the sun got a different way, you're like, oh crap, those, you know, we should have shot those. But you know, I'm I'm the kind of guy that'd rather be safe than sorry, and um, you know, so if the birds are coming in and and if you have the chance, let them land, then identify them, then shoot their little beaks off. But um, and I'll get into talking about the shot placement more when we get more into the shooting. But, you know, the identification, let them land. You, that, you know, that's very important. So once we get to that, then scouting. Scouting is um, is a pretty easy thing. To me, you know, in the south, 
you have a lot of marshland or they have flooded rice fields. We don't seem to have that in the Midwest as much. Um, well, you look at early teal season, September. So the basically I know in Michigan and a lot of the Midwest places, the only crops that we had harvested was uh, wheat fields. And, um, you know, we'd have some, and if you could find some dairy farmers who had some corn that they chopped, there's a plus right there. But if not finding that, um, I like to find, you know, good sized waterways, or you can find those hidden way in the back, but try to find those, those, uh, they're big enough, but little, those water spots that hold some peninsulas that have, I look for little islands out there. I look for peninsula and islands that they're, where the open water, the big water surround it, but in the pinch points and around the island and peninsula, there's a lot of phragmite, there's cattails, there's all that kind of stuff. Um, teal are, are tend to skirt the edges of grass and points in the marsh. They're also likely to fly over those little islands next to those points. So that's why it's real important, you know, that I try to pick those up. My favorite spot I like to find, you know, if I have, I could have on one side of the lake, you have a, you know, a good sized lake, some good open water. But I like to find those little canals and stuff that take you back to those back marshes that are back fed by these lakes and that are full with all the, the vegetation and uh, that's what I kind of look for and look for those pinch points and, and, you know, you, you, and along those peninsulas, those islands, it makes perfect feeding grounds for the teal because, you know, it's a two, three foot of water. So millet and, and um, whatever else you could find, you, you know, a type of duckweed, whatever those, those birds are going to, they, they can go down and feed upon it. The reason I like the phragmite and something with uh, a lot of cover around it, you got to remember teal. They need that cover when they're sitting in that water to keep them protected from predators. And I would say the teal's number one predator is the, the eagle. You know, eagles, hawks, um, not too much with owls unless it was nighttime. But, man, I've watched a lot of eagles, especially I live on a refuge here. I watch these eagles a lot of times playing havoc with the ducks out here. And In fact, I, my wife and I this past spring was turkey hunting off one of the back inlets around our place here and off the path not far from a refuge and we had an eagle sitting in a tree not far from us as we were set i was filming her and this was a immature eagle but he had came in and i kid you not we heard the squirrels and all of a sudden take off on the ground make this noise after they disappeared and made their warning alarm i kept listening and it's how i actually located him because i thought man that sounds like a weird uh, noise a squirrel and actually, believe it or not, it was an immature eagle behind us up in the tree. My wife swears up and down that he was imitating the squirrels. Well, I don't know if he was doing that, but it was definitely different and it was quite the show. We saw him two days later. We were back in there again uh, filming turkeys. And this time he, he came in. I didn't have enough time. He was so close to my wife and I that he came from the lake area. And I reached up with the camera real quick to, to get the video of him above me or above us. And as soon as I did that, that frightened him. And he drops the duck right in front of my wife on the ground. And, of course, she wanted to pick him back up and nurse him and take him back and see if we could raise him born free. But 
I noticed, I said, no problem, we can take care of that. And I noticed it was a coot, so I kind of put him back in the tree and see if the eagle would pick him back up. But, you know, eagles are a big, huge predator to the ducks. So, again, it's very important. So when you're looking for those key little spots, they got to have places that they, they got the water and, you know, and they got the contentment, they got con- the concealment. And then, it, you know, it's got to have something that can set up. Now, a lot of guys, I'm... And I'm not gonna have guys call me up and tell me, "Hey, you're full of crap." But I'm not a big boat blind guy. Having a boat with a blind on it, I like no doubt having a great boat and getting a boat to get me back into to my spots. That's important. But I'm not per se that I have to hunt out of that boat. I like to use the boat to get me into those far in places, and then use the the structure of the land and the vegetation to try to set up and have my own hiding, my own concealment that blends in with with the the natural uh, surroundings of that, whether, like I said, being a peninsula or or being an island or or whatever. So that's a good thing to, to understand that watching these predators and looking for that spot. You know, teal can also be a punctual critter. And a good friend of mine named Brooke Richard from Higgin Decoys, uh, who was growing, he's grown up hunting teal. He, he's originally from Louisiana, but hunting specks and teal. Brooke's been hunting Louisiana and Arkansas and since he was a kid. And he says that he believes that he can use the calendar uh, every year to determine when the teal will show up. And he says year after year, the teal, the teal are pretty fun, uh, punctual to the day. And what I thought was real cool about that is that um, I've never, you know, I pretty much know a lot of, the, you know, the rut of the deer and and uh, the migration. They're all usually pretty close. Weather can have a big more of a hindrance with the migration than it can the rut. But, you know, pretty much we're, we're Thanksgiving's usually pretty hot every year. That day in the calendar time when the birds start moving, it's always within a few days or so. But one of the things that he says that he watches for, and this was a new one to me, but he says he he plays attention to uh, the hummingbirds, and which is really crazy. But he says when the ruby-throated hummingbirds shows up, usually the teal are right behind him. So another good thing, if you guys uh, in an area, I don't know if that's more of a southern thing. I've never put that uh, connection, you know, with with hummingbirds. For a fact, here in the Midwest, we didn't have too many. By that time in the fall, our hummingbirds were gone. So it might have been some of those things that maybe they left when our teal left. That's a good point. Yeah, I better look into that one. Maybe I just figured that out. But uh, usually when, like I said, when our duck season comes in around in the Midwest, the teal were gone, at least the blue wing, whereas we had the green wing. But maybe those hummingbirds started to migrate out at the same time. Who knows? But uh, I always thought that was a pretty good analogy that Brooke used on that and something to pay attention to anyway. I get the decoys. We're going to talk about decoys of this. For me, this is pretty simple and keeping it simple. I like the old kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. But I kind of, with me when hunting teal, and kind of like me with everything else I hunt, unless I have to, less is more for me. And um, if I'm, if if you're in an area, of, I know with me when in Michigan and hunting a lot of the Midwest and, and hunting teal, 
and even hunting ducks and later in the season i'll get about that talking about that when we get later in the duck season but i um especially i'm in an area that canadian geese exist i use more canada decoys if i have to or just as many canada decoys as i do as the duck decoys and even though we're not now i'm not hunting canada geese right now but it's so natural that when they're in out there in the lake or out there in the water geese and ducks i mean they're hanging together but what i so it's a natural thing but what i like about that is that the the canada decoys you know if if you're not in that flight pattern even with teal if i'm 100 yards off it could be pretty tough because um they're not like you know screaming at them and being able to call them like you can with ducks and doing a you know a hail call or with you know screaming at geese and get them to be able to hear you and you know you might be able to try flagging I haven't tried that with teal, but that might work. But if you're concealed, that's, again, a tough thing. But when teal are out there and, the, you know, I'm outside that flight pattern, uh, the Canada decoy is a lot larger decoy that it, it shows, structurally, it shows up so much better than the smaller duck decoys. And so I kind of like, you know, usually we carry light. We'll carry, I'll have one bag with uh, maybe six, eight, floater uh, canada floaters and and another bag or if i could put six eight i might put them all in the same bag i might go with six uh canadas and six duck and and go in the same bag and just carry one bag and then have a spinner with me now this is all after the blinds that have been established and made but when i go in i like going in light i like going in mobile and being able to be mobile but the cool thing is I like setting. So if I go in and say I'm sitting in my blind and I'm in a peninsula, I'm at the point of the peninsula. I'm just going to give you a little uh, some one scenario here, not kind of break down every scenario, but we're going to give you one little scenario. Say I'm, I'm hunting in a peninsula and we're at the very end of the point of that peninsula and say I'm, I'm hunting a crosswind and say the crosswind is coming from my left blowing right. What I like to do Let's say that on my left side is the upwind. So what I like to do is I like to angle upwind and out just a tad, but to my left, I like to move upwind maybe 15 to 20 yards, probably 20 yards upwind of myself and out just a little bit. And that's where the Canada decoys are going to go. And anything that's coming upwind of me and stuff can be able to see those decoys. What I like to do behind that, then I like to put a little gap between oh the 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 duck decoys and so my killing hole will be right in front of me so let's say we put a five to ten yard gap behind those decoys of those canada decoys to my right and tight to the blind maybe no more than 15 yards off the point is where my mallard decoys or my um teal decoys now, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you, I've hardly ever used a teal decoy. When I'm using a duck decoy and I'm using it for the early season teal, brother, I'm just going to tell you, I use six hen mallard decoys. The hen mallards that have that, uh, the, the, the plumage is, is going to be rough looking. It's going to be dingy looking, kind of the teal are kind of dingy. The only thing standing out of them is either the blue or the teal or the green on their especially on the hens on the wings 
And um, so I like to put them about 10, 15 yards, and I'll put the hen decoys right to that spot. So now I have a killing hole. But what I will do is in front of those, I will actually kind of jump over those decoys if I'm going to use a spinner. And let's say that I have one to two spinners, even if I only had one. I will put that spinner just to the upwind of the blind and and just off. So, I mean, it's just off my my shoulder. If I'm sitting on the far left side of, of the upwind side of, the, of my blind, of our hide, I'm going to put that spinner just off my left shoulder. And the reason why now, if you look back, I've got several gaps that when those birds circle out, you know, I don't have a tight ball. What I've done is kind of opened up two different spots for the birds to look at as as landing holes if you can try to follow this so it gives them so when they swing out there this is it's a no-brainer they don't have to look and and swing and usually and remember this they're gonna on teal don't make the mistake a lot of times the guys make that mistake when teal come in they buzz like like i said the blue angels shoo, you'll be sitting there talking to your buddies you know, with a dip, just putting a dip in your mouth and all of a sudden, zoom, you looked and, and you hear those wings first. You sit there and buzz you and oh crap. And everybody's getting down, but don't get all excited. Just hit that little call and, and watch it and they'll turn around. But usually teal and some guys will shoot them on that second pass. But I've kind of always, usually that third pass is either they're going to set or it's going to be your best shot. That's what I've always found. Second could be, I'm not going to argue, but to me, it's never been too much on that first pass. Now, I've seen guys shoot them on that first pass and maybe knock one or two out of that group that came in. But I'm telling you, if you wait to that second, the third round, and probably that third one, if I was a betting man, you probably have a good chance of filling your limit um, within the first one or two flocks, just being picky watching that as they come in. But... Um, Anyway, what I've done is open a couple holes, and the spinning wing, yep, they're good. I, I, I'll use spinning wings, and they still work, but only to me, um, I, I make, you know, I'll mix it up. I know people say, hey, well, I've used them in cloudy days, and they work too. I'm not going to argue with man. That's cool. I just know when the percentages, if you're, if you're a mathematician and you go by percentages and numbers don't lie, Liars who do a figure, well, that saying, I go by the numbers. And a betting man, if I were a betting man, I'd put the, 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 the more of the, those ducks had to circle and, and, and feel content. And the closer they're coming in, well, we're going to finish it up. A spinning wing, when I have the sunshine, it, if you get back, especially water, snow, um, in the sun, and you get back and you look at that spinner, well, you can see why it works. It looks like live live wings beating coming down. When it's cloudy, it looks like a decoy with wings going around in a circle. So what I would, on those sunny days, I'll, I'll have the spinner. I'm telling you, on the days that it's cloudy and overcast, I'll take a jerk cord or anything, a swimmer, a diver, anything that it can, you know, swimmers are good, anything that can ruffle in that water and make make the motion on the, and use the action on the water and the ripple of the water and to, to attract the bird in instead of above the water, if that makes sense. So, yeah, not everything is, is an absolute, 
But I definitely know that through the numbers and percentages, spinning wings uh, lose a lot of their effectiveness once you know the sunshine and the glare is gone. So always remember if you're using that, pick the days and the overcast days and or the sunny days that you use them and on those overcast, I would I would stick with the uh, jerk cords. And uh, so we've kind of gone through, we've gone through the decoys, we've gone about the setups. I am going to talk about blinds real quick. Um, basically, you know what, any A-frame, um, any type of uh, a panel blind, I, I mean, you you can go to a, a, any type of a company that makes those and use theirs. There's quite a few companies that are making good A-frames and panel blinds out there. Or you can be just like us good old rednecks, and, and I think that uh, chicken mesh or chicken wire or, or cattle cattle panels uh, thatched with a bunch of the vegetation with some uh, cut you some stakes that you put in the ground, tie zip tie the, that pa- that uh, chicken wire or the cattle panel to it, and just thatch that in. It's not, nothing pretty, very simple but very effective, and just cloud that up little five gallon bucket sitting behind the panel deadly no matter what you don't with and with teal and hunting the peninsulas and 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 hunting birds that are swimming you know flying points on the water you don't have to worry about birds that's why i'm saying i don't need anything above me because pretty much the birds you know i put myself in a place that the birds are going to fly from side to side and um so flying overhead and looking and being spooked and and i don't even if I were hunting in a field and that happened, I've been a firm believer that so many people have ruined that. They 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 claim it. It's the they can see in the blind, but I think it's all of the movement and all the calls, guys blaring calls when birds are above them, um, that that ruin the moment. Then the the blind not having an overhead. But that that's my opinion, and opinions like elbows. Everybody's got a couple, but that's mine, and. Um, so so it comes the blinds like i said it's pretty simple there's nothing really fancy to this a lot of common sense um coming to guns you know this is a great time to use that 20 gauge the 28 gauge or a 16 gauge or 410 they make the today you know market they make a lot a lot of these companies make great um non-toxic loads that are pretty deadly I mean, there's guys going out and shooting turkeys now with 410s. We never would have thought about that 20 years ago. But uh, what a great time. You know, teal is the perfect, you know, they're made for 28-gauge and 20-gauge and to shoot those lighter loads. And I like to shoot, you know, anywhere between a 4 and a 5 or 6, even a 7-shot. Seven 7-shot's seven a great shot um, when hunting teal. And so with more pellets, you're getting a more of a, a more shot into there. So that means you have a better chance of getting more pellets into the kill. Um, you're getting a little bit more. Uh, you have the advantage of being off a little bit and still being able to hit. And uh, so what a great time of using the having a chance to use the smaller cali- calibers, I'm saying, in the guns. And I think that was pretty much simple. You go out there and uh, have fun. Remember that um, always uh, that the re- obey by the game laws. Know the shooting hours, and know to identify uh, what birds are shooting. You don't want to have, you know, our our COs work real hard, 
And I like to gain the respect of the SEALs, and especially the SEALs in my area, that, uh, you know, we kind of hopefully we know what we're doing. And um, when he comes up and we get checked, you know, that people can make mistakes, but always be very professional. Always let him know that, uh, hey, this is what I got. I know what the, the limit is. Hey, we didn't start shooting today. Even when he comes up and he's checking and say, hey, I appreciate you. You're out here. We appreciate what you do. We knew the shooting time. Let him know that you know the shooting time. So if he comes out and I said, yeah, hey, man, I agree. We started, uh, we knew today the shooting time was 6.08 or 7.08, 6.38, whatever. You know, it shows him that you're paying attention and that you were paying attention to the game laws. And I would add to that, to those guys, that this is a resource. Let's respect that resource. And uh, this, to me, is, is we are blessed in this country. You know, not everything is great, not everything's perfect, but we've been blessed in this country to, ha- to hunt. You know, it, it's not like in Europe yet and other countries where it was strictly only for the rich and they took guns away and people can't afford to hunt. It, but uh, here, you know, it's still that we still have our guns. We're still being able to get some of the finest equipment bought, you know, in our stores. And we uh, don't have to see, you know, some anywhere in rural America, you don't have to drive too far to find some place out of the way um, to hunt, whether some pond or some wood lot or, you know, anything like that. It's uh, we are still blessed with that. So I, th- I believe that it's we owe it to the good Lord who's uh, put us on this place, put us where we're at, who's repl- who supplied this resource that. Uh, that we use it to full potential, we use it to full advantage. And that means, again, you know, not just the eating, but going after every cripple. And trust me, you never know who's sitting back in the corner with binoculars watching what you're doing. When you think you might be out there, but you're just between you and God and your buddies. You know, you're always could be watched. And it's always beyond your best behavior. So and you always want to make an attempt, guys. And, and if it messes up and you had a few birds coming in oh man we shouldn't went after that cripple you know what i say you owe it to the bird get the bird in hand before you lose him so you know you wait on another flock and say you and your buddies might shoot two or three birds but in that time you waited you lost this other bird so you let a bird go into waste because of greed that's how i look at it so let's make every opportunity guys follow the game laws take a take well use of the resource make well use of the resource and um then have a good time out there in god's great creation and uh, always remember that uh, if you can take a kid hunting take someone new into hunting you know what and if you don't like eating them and you want to hunt you know what find someone who does Make sure that you clean them. Make sure that you give it to people. There's so many people out there there's, that are hurting for food. Um, you, there's got to be some type of food bank, whatever we can do to pass that resource. And it also puts us in a good eye and good light with, with the public. So always keep that in your head and always remember that. And that's going to about wrap it up uh, for this week's episode. And hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have bringing it to you. If you like our podcast, I ask you to please subscribe to us and any of the major platforms. And if you have any questions about past podcasts, boy, that's hard to say, about past podcasts or maybe about new topics, you just reach out to me. You can message me on George Lynch Hunter on Facebook or Instagram. 
Also, I just want to give a shout out to our dealers who are carrying our legendary gear calls this fall. They are Finn Feather and Fur Outfitters in four locations in Ohio, Frank's Great Outdoors in Michigan, JA Sporting Goods in two locations in Michigan, Keystone Outdoors in Pennsylvania, Presley Sporting Goods in Illinois, Rogers Sporting Goods in Missouri, Sportsman's Warehouse in multiple states, and Stanley Hunting Center in our home state of Iowa. And always remember to hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there rain is shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough. Because that's what legends are made of.